We are live at the 2019 NFL Draft. Dan Harrelson here alongside Austin Stanley of A to Z Sports. Austin, how are you doing today? What's up, man? Good to see Knoxville represented here in the uh, Nashville NFL Draft. It's been right, crazy. and of course we don't have many picks no. by the volunteers Some at more the draft. Balls Who are knows, going. Kyle Phillips could go late. We yeah. are here at day three of the draft, so we're just kind of waiting to see maybe if a guy like him can be picked in his hometown and, and where his mom is an athletics director at Tennessee State, but uh, we'll stay tuned on that. But just kind of talk about the the venue here. Uh, I guess you could call it a draft party with yeah. everything going on on Broadway and the city. Just kind of talk about the the event. It's been nuts, man. So obviously we've known for about a year that this was going to happen this weekend. And so our planning for our business, A to Z Sports, uh, trying to figure out what the city was trying to do because we wanted to have a location downtown to, to kind of have a hub and it was hard because all the bars on Broadway really were kind of left in the dark waiting on the NFL to figure out its plans. And so for us, it was kind of a not really knowing what we're getting into, but we know it's going to be big and we know it's going to be crazy. And uh, I've said they've, I've seen they've projected 200,000 on Thursday, 200,000 on Friday, and it's day three now. So the draft is not as you know hyped up with this day, but the weather's perfect today. And Dirks Bentley is going to be playing later on. Jimmy Buffett's going to be down the road at Bridgestone uh, Saturday night. So it's it's crazy, man. Nashville's shown out, and it's looked phenomenal on TV. And I think that's a really cool thing too. And, and what the NFL Network did with building a fake Tootsie's on the street, I'm like, I don't even know how you won, how you come up with that idea, and then how you do it, and then uh, ESPN College Game Day, all that stuff. It's been really phenomenal to kind of see how you know my hometown as well getting to cover this event here which i've always loved the draft but it's been awesome well you mentioned your hometown uh, you've been here you kind of seen the city grow into uh, where it went from zero professional sports teams to having the nhl national predators tennessee titans of course the nfl mls coming starting next year with the uh, nashville sc joining the mls just kind of talk about having three teams now in this city yeah it's gonna be wild i know we're our coverage is growing the, the preds with their stanley cup run uh, a couple summers ago uh, had a lot of you know fever pitch going on with that unfortunately there's no preds anymore at this point taking an early first round exit uh which was a disappointment you can call it a failure of a season for the preds and It'll be interesting to see how the Preds fan base goes moving forward with this team. Is the window closing or is it still open? Uh, big discussions there, but Nashville as a sports city is really showing off. Uh, and the MLS, there's a big soccer community here. Uh, I know from growing up here in Williamson County and even some other surrounding counties are big soccer communities, and they have travel soccer. The high school soccer is awesome in Middle Tennessee, and the SEC doesn't have – men's soccer so you don't really see those local guys go play collegiately so i think soccer will get up will have a big draw here in nashville when the mls comes around well i believe they announced the first two seasons will be at nissan stadium and then kind of move transition to to the fairgrounds where initially that they wanted to move their first season but yeah. they're going to wait a little bit do you think it's a, a a situation where mls and the soccer team should stay around Broadway, this area, because there's so much so much vibrant activity, and you kind of see the Titans and the Preds just kind of feed off that. Uh, do you think they should stay maybe at a Nissan Stadium? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to have a full-time soccer team and football team playing on the same field. You know, that, that just gets torn up, and soccer tears fields up a lot like football does. 
but you know what? I kind of think it's an opportunity to expand the footprint of Nashville, you know? Uh, the Nashville Sounds built First Tennessee Park a few years ago, and it's in the Germantown area. And before that, Germantown was a place you didn't really go ever. But now there's a, a baseball field, and now there's condos and bars and, and different developments happening out there. So I think the fairgrounds is kind of the next uh, area that can develop a lot, that kind of expand. I know the fairgrounds is special to a lot of people uh, in the area. Not necessarily to me. I don't, have it, I don't have memories of going down there as a kid or anything. But I think it's a, a place to continue the development here in Nashville to keep it bigger. Let's talk a little bit about the Titans. Uh, first pick, 19 overall. Thursday night in the first round, uh, they went to an SEC guy at Mississippi State, defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons, spectacular player on the field during his time at Mississippi State. He did suffer injury. He's going to have to go through and probably miss his first season for the Titans. Your thoughts on that and maybe the waiting process to actually get him and uh, see him do some good things for the Titans on the field. Yeah, the last couple of days have been full of Jeffrey Simmons conversations because the controversy of the Titans taking a guy who he might come back. Maybe the Titans have a late bye in Week 11. So it, with an ACL that happened in February, you think that might be a target date for him to play I don't know, five or six games of his rookie season. But Titans fans frustrated because they think this team needs a player to help Mariota in the offense now. And, or an edge rusher that helps you now, and then all of a sudden you take a Jeffrey Simmons, who is a fringe top five player in this draft, but he can't help you now. And it's kind of a weird thing, and then you pull in the off-the-field incident when he was in high school. I know uh, three, four years ago, a lot of the Southeastern Conference media talked about that fight uh, that he got into when he was in high school when he uh, beat up a, another female, and uh, it, it got a lot of big media attention. But I think when you saw Jeffrey Simmons' press conference Friday afternoon at St. Thomas Sports Park, Amy Adams Strunk, uh, the owner of the Titans, uh, obviously a female there, had a glowing re- remark about how Jeffrey Simmons is a good person and you can go about saying you're sorry for things, but Jeffrey Simmons has lived that he's sorry for the last three years. And Simmons is sitting two chairs down and crying while Amy Adams Strunk is saying this, and GM John Robinson puts his hand on Simmons' leg and kind of like, you, you see like a, a rare moment in a first-round pick press conference where there, you really see, you see like family and you see real in that moment. And I think a lot of Titans fans after that press conference are okay. All right, Jeffrey Simmons, okay with him off the field. Now need to see him get back on time to help on the field because – He's a, he's, a, he's a sweet player. He's a good player, and he can help a lot, especially when you think about Jeffrey Simmons and Jarrell Casey playing next to each other in that D-line for years to come. Uh, that could be a pretty good force. Well, moving on to the next uh, few picks that the Titans had, uh, of course they went with the wide receiver from Ole Miss, and they actually had a chance to get Metcalf, yeah. another guy from Ole Miss. So your thoughts maybe not taking a guy like Metcalf and going elsewhere. Well, my co-host Zach Bingham of A to Z Sports is an Ole Miss grad, and he's been saying for, I don't know, since last football season, A.J. Brown needs to be a Titan. That's the type of wide receiver they need. And D.K. Metcalf's a freak. You know, we all saw that. We all know the sub-2% body fat, which is kind of stupid. But uh, he, he fell all the way to 64, which was kind of weird, to the Seahawks, the, set, the last pick of the second round. And I think it's because he's more of a straight-line guy. He doesn't have a lot of fa- a lot of tape out there running a, a 
thorough route tree, and A.J. Brown can do it all. Inside, outside guy, he's, he's physical after the catch. He's a great hands catcher. He's caught a lot of touchdowns, big-time plays. And like I said with the Jeffrey Simmons pick, Titans fans wanted somebody to help Marcus Mariota now. The Titans drafting A.J. Brown at 51 in the second round kind of makes up for the Jeffrey Simmons pick because you got two guys who are really talented right there with A.J. Brown and Jeffrey Simmons that can make a big-time difference on both sides of the ball for this franchise. Big uh, trade today. I guess you could say big trade. It was a trade uh, on day three of the draft uh, as we sit here as round four takes yeah. place. Uh, I believe the Raiders are actually on the clock. Pick 137. Oh, of Foster Morale, LSU tight end. Some people right. say we look alike. I don't know. I mean <laughs> – from LSU. He's a lot bigger than I am, but uh, he's a pretty good player there from LSU, and people say he's a good-looking guy, so I'll take that <laughs> Well, <laughs> the Titans did go out to Iowa and grabbed a defensive back, uh, moved up a little bit. Uh, they were actually about to pick at 121, and what they they moved up to 116 or yeah. 117. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on that little move there? I thought it was strange because they get Amani Hooker, the safety from Iowa, and I was expecting DeAndre Walker, outside linebacker from Georgia, because right before the Titans traded up, uh, Christian Miller from Alabama, the edge rusher, he went 115. To the Panthers. To the, yeah, and then the Titans trade up, and whenever you typically see something like that, like a one position player go and then a team jumps up, you think, okay, maybe there's going to be a run on pass rushers right here. And the Titans almost took DeAndre Walker uh, with the 82 pick in the third round, but instead changed it last minute to Nate Davis guard out of Charlotte, who tight, uh, Vol fans watched right. play last year without exactly. even without even knowing that Charlotte. Yeah, actually, had a, when that came down, yeah. I, I thought it was a decent pick. I, like you said, I do remember him yeah. from the homecoming game last year at Neyland Stadium. So a lot of Tennessee fans want to forget that game because right. of how ugly it was. But it was very but, ugly a week yeah. before the Kentucky win too. Yeah, and it definitely was. Uh, but Nate Davis, I think, is going to be a good player for the Titans at right guard for sure. Uh, but then this Amani Hooker, I wasn't expecting a safety. I thought it was Walker from Georgia because the Titans still need to add an edge rusher. Uh, but from what I've seen about Amani Hooker, he's a safety. He's played nickel some. He's a good tackler. He's versatile. Ran a sub four five forty, which is fast enough back there. And it's really a quality depth piece for the Titans at that secondary position because Kevin Byard's about to get paid ridiculous money uh, soon. Then you already got a lot of money with um, Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler and a first-round draft pick of Dory Jackson at corner. So I think Hooker might be kind of a, a unique piece there that can be a depth piece for you know growing into the future. Kenny Vaccaro also a safety. So you're looking for that third or fourth safety, and that might be what Hooker is. Where does this franchise stand going into the 2019 season? Obviously, Marcus Mariota, last year the contract. What do you think is going to transpire there? Do you think he's all in, or do you think that John Robinson and company's all in with, with a guy like Mariota who had some good moments yeah. over his years? And But you, you look at a, a last game in the regular season with everything on the line to get into the playoffs, and – He's not out there. Yeah. I know some of that was not his fault, but some people do think maybe he could have been out there. Well, he practiced that week. That's the weird thing. I know we're looking back, you know, five months ago, but it's the first time we've talked about it, Dan, so I mean, it's new. But he practiced that week, and he threw the ball. Obviously, quarterbacks don't get hit in practice, and so we thought, okay, he can throw the ball fine. He's going to play. But it was about can he take a hit, and it came out, Paul Kaharski reported in March, I believe, that he did have a broken vertebrae in his spine. He had a 
completely torn plantar fascia in one of his feet. Uh, he had a broken rib. <laughs> it's like it's just a litany of other injuries. That Boy, two, is that something two that's stingers. going to linger over? Yeah, and that's and that's what we've been talking about. And we talked to, to Mariota a couple weeks ago when they, he returned back to Nashville for the offseason program. He says he's healthy. He went to Hawaii. He got away from football, which I think reset his mentality, which I think it was important this year. And I've said this for a while. The hardest question somebody can ask me is, what do you think about Marcus Mariota? <laughs> because I'm so torn. I don't know if – I see where he could be a franchise quarterback. But then when you only throw 24 touchdown passes combined in the last two seasons, like that's like Patrick Mahomes did that in the first eight weeks of the year. You know, So you got to have more production out of him. He doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. But the Titans have to score more touchdowns. They haven't had a lot of weapons around him. Delaney Walker comes back this year. Hopefully he's healthy at tight end. That makes a lot of help. A.J. Brown, like we've talked about. Adam Humphreys, a slot receiver who's reliable in free agency out of Tampa. It's, they're doing, they've done everything. Two guards, Roger Saffold from the Rams who played in the Super Bowl, and now Nate Davis who we've talked about. They've done everything for Marcus Mariota to help him out. He just has to go do it. Will A.J. Brown be a wide receiver, that type of guy that can come in immediately and, and provide something there? I mean, I would think so. Um, he's physical enough, he's, and he was productive at Ole Miss. I think I saw a stat. He's, their, he's Ole Miss's all-time leading receiver, and he was one of the only guys who had back-to-back 1,000 receiving seasons for Ole Miss. So you would, gotta, you would think uh, that he can, but the best thing is, they don't necessarily have to rely on it. It's not like they don't have to rely on A.J. Brown to come in, catch 50 passes for 700 yards and eight touchdowns. Because Corey Davis is getting a lot better. As I said, Humphreys, the free agent, he's had, I think he only had one drop on over 80 targets last year, which is big time. And then Delaney Walker. So Derrick Henry is going to run the football a lot too. Deion Lewis catches the ball out of the backfield a lot. So A.J. Brown will be able to be brought along at a comfortable pace where they're not going to have to rely on him out of the gate, which is a good thing. Right, and you mentioned Derrick Henry, and obviously, I guess, what, the last month or so of yeah. the season, he just tore it up. I mean, he was just uh, – he's one of my guys in the keeper league, so I was, I was pretty <laughs> oh, happy. so you got that one, right? Right, yeah, so <laughs> – is, is that going to continue on? Is he going to be like a maybe an Eddie George type back where he's going to be reliable, he's going to be doing this every game, or is this going to be, you know, kind of hit and miss uh, yeah, casually throughout I, I, the season? I think that's what we're going to learn. And it's funny because John Robinson did ask around for trade discussions for Derrick Henry at the trade deadline, which is like the end of October. Just to get a feel Just, for it. Yeah, I mean, he was open to moving on from Derrick Henry. And because at that point – Derrick Henry wasn't produ- producing. Fans were saying, oh, he needs more carries as a volume running back. Well, in the NFL, you don't have time to just wait for, okay, 15th carry, now Derrick Henry's loose. you know, you got to be productive on your first few carries. And then something happened. I, the one run I saw it in London against the Chargers, he busted off like an eight-yard run, but it was a different eight-yard run. And from that point on, Henry was more productive, more consistent, it all blew up Thursday night against Jacksonville when he had 238 yards. Then the Giants game Giants and so game. on and so on and so on. The guy was untackleable, and he had a mentality change too. And he talked about he spoke with Eddie George during the Titans' bye week, and something came out of that where he, hopefully for Titans fans, a light bulb went on. Hopefully for your keeper league, a light bulb went on in Derrick right. Henry. Yeah, I took him number one overall in our keeper league and our <laughs> rookie draft, so... 
So it's funny, uh, A to Z sports story, which is kind of this kind of in the weeds. When Derek Henry was drafted by the Titans in the second round in 2016, I was down on Henry as an NFL running back, and I said he'll never make a Pro Bowl in his NFL career. And Zach Bingham said that uh, if he does, you have to go get a Derrick Henry Pro Bowl jersey. And so he was a Pro Bowl, uh, he was close to being a Pro Bowl alternate last year. So if he keeps that up uh, this upcoming year, I might have to get a Pro Bowl jersey. And I'm not a jersey wearing guy, so I might have to get. At least it's not a jersey. Well, I told, yeah, right. I I told (laughs) the first time I've ever met Derrick, I told him about the bet thinking like, oh, this is going to be a way to break the ice for us to have a relationship. He didn't think it was very funny. <laughs> he's a big dude. So, uh, so you know, he's, a, he's a nice person. He's not very you know, loud. He's very soft-spoken, but he's a hard worker. And so I, you know, I'm rooting for the guy as a, as a human to, to do well. We'll see what happens with that jersey thing, though. Well, on the way out here, I can't leave here without talking a little bit of Preds hockey with yeah. you. Of course, uh, Wednesday night was supposed to be a Game 7 here on Broadway at Bridgestone. Yeah. And- Game six lost to end the season at Dallas. Uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, this roster was loaded, in my opinion. Peter Laviolette, is, is he kind of feeling a little bit of heat after an early exit this season? Yeah, it's weird. Um, Laviolette has been fired by two other NHL right, franchises. The Islanders and the he uh, got Carolina. Fu- no, he did not get fired by the Islanders. He took the Carolina job. And won the cup there. Correct. He won the cup there, and he was fired like 20 games into year Philadelphia five. Philadelphia also. Then Philadelphia, he took them to the cup final. Didn't win it, but took them to the final. Uh, and then we was fired three games into year five. He just finished year five for the Preds. So there's the talk about LaViolette is his message is strong. It works. He's gotten two other franchises. He's gotten three franchises to the Stanley Cup final, which is impressive early. And then those other two franchises dropped off a lot. Now, Lavi's made the playoff five straight years, so that's a lot of work. And he's won two divisions and all that. So he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of things he's accomplished. But the word is that in the whole, you know, the thought on Laviolette is when his word and when his message wears out, it happens fast. And it comes out of nowhere. And I think Preds fans might be fearful that that could be happening. But he's not going to lose his job. He's safe for right now. I would think he's safe for right now. I would be highly, highly uh, Does he need to bring Housley back? Yeah, I think so. I I think that's the obvious move is you bring in Phil Housley, who is the – Who's available now. Yeah, he's available. got fired by Buffalo as a head coach and is an awesome defensive coach. He was the coach of the power play, and we all know how much that power play sucked this year. Uh, and uh, I think bringing back Phil Housley would make a lot of sense for sure. Well, when he took over, when Laviolette took over for Barry Trotz, of course, Trotz is a defensive-minded right. coach. Yeah. Laviolette offensive-minded. I think it was the perfect thing that that, that group needed at that yeah. time for the first few years. But as I guess really since the Stanley Cup Finals run, you, you really don't see like a defensive approach, especially since, like you said, yeah. Housley's gone, power play, all that. So I, I, I just think he needs to really surround himself with other assistant coaches that have uh, that defensive mind, maybe like a Barry Trouts and company had. I, I mean, I, I couldn't point. agree more. I think Phil Housley, you bring him back, because Housley was with LaViolette, so it's not like they don't know each other. They were on, on the same coaching staff for that Stanley Cup run, and that was when the Preds had, I think, a top-10 power play that year and one of the best defensive teams in the, in the NHL. And so it's all the same guys. <laughs> like it's all it's it's Yossi, it's Ellis, it's Ekholm, it's Subban, it's all the same dudes. 
but for whatever reason, like in two, it's so crazy, and that's just how weird sports are. I guess. Speaking of Subban, uh, what's going to happen with him? Highest paid player on the team. Yeah. Is it going to get restructured, or do you think they may will and deal around draft time and I think have it, him look at elsewhere? And I said this the day after the season ended, which maybe that's too soon to go all in on something like this. But I said it's. I think you try to trade him. PK Subban is a lot, and he's he's nine million dollars for the next three years. Uh, each and so, if you try to say if you if you trade PK Subban now, you're going to get the most back for him this off season. If you wait another off season, you're probably not going to get as much because uh, he's just going to get older. And PK Subban's not the problem, so I'll say it that way. He's fine. He's good. He produced in the playoffs. Had a couple bad moments, but everybody does. Uh, but PK Subban's not the problem. But you can get the most from him. Ryan Ellis, that's a bad contract. He's got. $50 million left on his contract over the next eight years. And it's not like NFL where you can, like, cut him and, like, save a bunch of money, but you got to pay him at least half of it, I think. Uh, so I think P.K. Subban's the only tradable guy you have that has the best value. Well, Austin, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, for uh, sure. Had a lot to talk about. I mean, yeah, pretty good podcast. <laughs> uh, I had other great uh, guests on this week, too, uh, for the NFL draft, but it was great talking uh, Heck, MLS, NHL, and NFL with you. Absolutely. Thanks, man.